Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. I am Robert Rogers, your host. Parkinson's Recovery was founded in 2004 to provide information, support, and resources to individuals currently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and, of course, their family members and caregivers. I am pleased and honored to sponsor a guest on this particular show who has some amazing information to provide about caregiver burnout. Dr. Christian Hagesis, thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on the show today. Well, one, it's just an honor, as I said before, it is, because you have provided a means for me to talk to people like me and people like my wife. And recently, I've come across the idea that sometimes those of us with Parkinson's can be a little bit selfish. That is, I think about myself a lot. A month ago, we were just having a quiet time watching some good TV, and I was casually eating a Ritz cracker. And I'm at the point now where swallowing is occasionally an issue. And that time, in the middle of a sentence, I inhaled, and a cracker crumb went back and got right on my vocal cord and when that happens a thing having called laryngeal spasm happens which means your vocal cords come shut and you can't breathe and i know how to get my airway out so i got down on my hands and knees got my head down but i was still <laughs> unable to move much air and i could only say to my wife Water, water. And she got me some water. It took me two minutes. And my eyes were running and everything else. I sat back down, caught my breath. And then I looked at her, and she was ashen. She was pale. And while she wasn't crying, tears were coming her eyes. And I said, Hannah, I'm okay. He said, I was afraid I was losing you. What do I do? And of course, I'm, I'm the doctor. I said, well, I know how to manage my airway. And I go, oh, no, 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 no. And then I recognized that, oh my gosh, Parkinson's is as frightening and as disabling to the person who cares for us as it is to ourselves. And that knocked my rocker around a little bit. And I said, I ran our Parkinson support group here in Fort Collins, and we had our good meetings. And then we had a, a side meeting where care partners would come. And I, uh, I just began to get a closer and deeper look at this and really appreciate from my heart these people are hurting. These people are scared. These people love us. And sure, I'm having an airway problem. Sure, I fall and break my hip. Sure, I look funny sometimes. But they feel everything. And so 
as a psychiatrist, I began to open my toolbox and look back and say, what, what can we do? Because right now, caregivers, uh, there's a lot of information about what care, caregivers, excuse me, I like a better word, care partners. I should care as much for my wife as she watches me in this illness as she should care for me. And so I thought, care partners. I have a responsibility to my wife to help her through this. So I'm a psychiatrist. What do I know? I know how I know therapy, but people they're not going to take three, four months out to go to therapy to do this, especially when they're not sure what direction they're going. And so I have looked through things that are available to anybody and don't require a doctorate in psychology to understand. And I have went back to find something that I'll explain more as we get along here called the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a personality type system. And what I realize is that if I'm going to help a couple talk and share about Parkinson's that they both are suffering from, I have to help them with a different language. And that's what this is about. So I call my process the kindness dialogue. And the word kindness is it's been special, special, special to me because I know that the word love is often misused. It's a shame that a lot of times people, well, do you love me? Of course I love you. There's, there's talk and an expectation, but intentional kindness where I think, what can I do for Laurel to show kindness and gratitude for what she does for me? That opened my mind to a different way of thinking. So that's, that's how I got started. I'm 82. I live in Colorado with my wife, Laurel, of many years. I have wonderful granddaughters who are the lights of my life, and they're great. I don't practice medicine anymore, but that doesn't mean I can't talk to people with warmth, guidance, intelligence, and make a difference in their life. I don't want to treat mental disorders, but I do know how to talk to people, and I'm seeing this now as a path for me for my next years use my my education and my God-given desire. And let's see if I can make a difference in a lot of people's lives. That's kind of what brought me here today, Robert. <clears throat> you are listening to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Rogers, and my guest today is Dr. Christian Hagesith. Dr. Hagesith, what 
could you please explain to members of the Parkinson's recovery audience is caregiver burnout. Caregiver burnout is, you know, let's put it this way. Firefighters break down. Soldiers in combat break down. Uh, burnout means I suddenly lost my get up and go, my get up and go. I got up and left, and I, I don't, I'm empty. I'm running on empty. And so what happens is the person experiencing burnout becomes less and less like they have been and they want to be. And there are a number of symptoms. They don't show every one of them, but a good number of them. Probably the first thing that they notice is a depression. And by depression here, I'm talking both clinical depression that may need medication, but also the depression that life isn't going to happen the way I hoped. And I don't know what to do about it. And I feel kind of hopeless, feel a little bit trapped. And that is, those are phrases that I think a bunch of caregivers can relate to. And as a consequence, what they might do is withdraw. Not having the energy to keep going and going out. They need more time to reflect, get energy going inside. But on the other hand, they may also be all along with anxiety. The warriors. They, the, the person says, oh, my God, sorry, like my wife that night, she was saying, what would I do if, if you stopped breathing? Realizing that we live 10 minutes from the nearest ambulance. She might be forced to watch me die. And for a person that's a caregiver, the worry of the uncertain and the unknown are nibbling at the edge a lot. But then comes, and we'll talk more about it later, an experience that is hateful, abhorrent, and so real, and it's anger. Yeah, the, the, both, the, both care partners here, the caregiver and the care recipient, when we get frustrated and burned out, what do we do? We sometimes blurt out anger. And boy, does that hurt anybody anytime. Anger is the most useless human emotion, but it happens. And if I, as the care recipient, as the identified patient, as the Parkinson person, if I am frustrated, I might bark. Why did you do that? Why couldn't you help me out? Why couldn't you work? Anything. And same thing, but for the caregiver, it's even harder because he or she is ashamed to feel anger at the identified patient. They're ashamed and they feel guilty, and yet they do. Mind you, Robert, I'm talking about everyday people, and this is the reality. I've had symptoms of Parkinson's for 18 years. And you know, that's a long time for both of us. 
Of course, with this burnout, I find it harder and harder to concentrate, which means sometimes my reading my novel or something else, I just can't get into it. Or I lose my thought mid-sentence. Some people lose weight, can't eat. Well, others, I'm a little bit in that direction, tend to eat eat things I shouldn't. The one thing I'm eating now that I shouldn't, that I just love, and my wife and I tease about it because humor is important, we tease about it, is a piece of candy called Good and Plenty. They're pink and they're white and they try licorice in the middle and sugar on the outside. And so I'm eating more of them than I should. But what I'm illustrating is that the burnout is pervasive. Coarse leap. Now, Parkinson's has unique biological impairments of sleep that go beyond the psychological. But for the care partner, it is the psychological. Because what happens when you get to bed? Sometimes your mind won't turn off. And you start doing the what ifs. And oh my gods, and stuff like that. And finally, uh, a care partner become exhausted. Which is why when I was perusing the Michael J. Fox literature, there's a lot of good stuff on caregiver burnout on the Internet. Everybody should read this stuff. It's good with advice. And they say sometimes the caregiver needs a respite, a time away. And that's, that's absolutely true. And then the final symptom of caregiver stress is use of alcohol and drugs. Not so much illicit drugs, just getting more prescription drugs because you feel you need them. So these are the signs of somebody being stressed. And burnout is when you run out of gas. And so that's the picture of what goes on for somebody who's feeling it. How serious is caregiver burnout? I don't have statistics, but I have read a few statistics in not not the whole burnout picture, but the rate of depression among caregivers is uh, five or six times the rate of depression for people who are not in a position to be a caregiver. And it's thought that caregivers with stress bordering on burnout might amount to as many as 60% of the people who are in a caregiving process. So it's, it's quite, quite a bit more frequent than people know. And again, I say those of us with Parkinson's sometimes have made the mistake of uh, being so taken, absorbed with ourselves that we forget to think about the other person. And I would I would call on all my fellow persons with Parkinson's, think deeply for 10 minutes and reflect on what it must be like for the person who provides care for you. 
I'll tell you a really hard one. Really, this is just, um, I had a severe bout of depression two years ago. And everybody who uh, has Parkinson's knows one of the main symptoms is constipation. And it can be just awful. And it's two, two and a half years ago in the depression, I was very depressed, had been very constipated. And I overdosed on milk of magnesia. And I was not walking well. I was irritable. I was angry with my wife, unjustifiably so. I stumbled on a, on a step, fell a little bit, not enough to get me injured. But what happened? I squirted diarrhea onto the wall. And she... God bless her. She saw me, sat, not sleeping, depressed, stumbling, and then defecating on myself in the wall. She had to take care of that. And so these are stories that I think it's important for me to tell because I want people to know. I do great with Parkinson's. I'm really happy that I have fewer symptoms than most anybody else, and I'm, that I'm doing well. But still, there are moments with this illness that are just unpredictable and awful. How is caregiver burnout managed? Well, nowadays it's managed principally, I would say, by the Internet, by support groups, and then close friends. There isn't an organized way of giving advice. It is the way that therapy is made available. And so I'm sure that, oh, here, let me, let me footnote, sidebar, Dag Nabbit, I think too many neurologists failed to adequately assess how badly the care partner feels. And I am going to go on record as saying to neurologists, will you straighten up and pay more attention to the partner? Can you show kindness? You know, we're we're at a terrible time in medicine where usually the first 10 minutes of a doctor's visit is spent with the doctor's head in a computer typing. It wasn't like that when I was a young doctor 50, 60 years ago. But it is now. So the management now is um, good. It's very variable. It depends on the physician, the community, the support group, and the family. There is information there, and I encourage anybody to get on the Internet. Just just Google caregiver burnout Parkinson's, and there's a lot of good information. What I'm going to get to here shortly, though, is a unique uh, program that I have just devised intended to meet the needs of both care partners in a new and different way. <clears throat> 
You mentioned there are a number of different methods. What are the most common methods of treating caregiver burnout? Um, support groups, respite care, medication, education, prayer. Those are the most common. I know at this point, listeners are going to really want to know more about the Enneagram, which you mentioned a little bit earlier. What is the Enneagram? Okay. Now, this, this, is, this for me is the, the new piece of information I am bringing, bringing to the community. If you study psychology and psychiatry, which I have a lot, it tends to be technical and it has a lot of theories about different, pers- different ways people get sick, different disorders, and so on. The Enneagram has a background that we don't really know for sure where it started, but we know that it has come in the last 60 to 90 years, and it's a way of looking at the human personality, and this is the, the wisdom and the brilliance of this, is the Enneagram has come about the nine different personality types that actually run pretty true to form. And this is what I'm excited about because learning about the Enneagram is not expensive and it does not take a great deal of time, but it takes some real study. But the thing is this, If I know my personality type, I realize that some of my reactions and responses are predictable because of my personality type. And the Enneagram has nine of them. I'm going to go through them right now and give you a brief uh, description of them. But this this is, it has blown me away at how remarkable this helps us understand why different people are different. And the types are numbered, one through nine. The first type is called the perfectionist. A perfectionistic personality likes accuracy, precision, data, numbers. And if I'm, I want my neurosurgeon and my accountant to be perfectionists. And but we all have one of these nine, but a perfectionist, their particular way of approaching the world is cognitively with reason and logic and so on, kind of like Dr. Spock from Star Trek. The second one, the type two, though, is called the giver. And... The giver is all about relationships and caring relationships. I am a two. And so twos, I care about how you feel. I want to help you feel better. And so in relationships, twos, uh, well, in life, twos are they are made glad in their heart by doing good for others. 
The third type, the achiever. This is the drum major at the front of the parade. They want to lead from in front. They want to make a clear demonstration of leading, and they like the strokes they get for being the leader, being smart, and so on. They are a little, I wouldn't say conceited, but they're proud of their desire to be in front and lead the parade. The fourth is the individualist. This is the introspective person who is analyzing always. Analyzing life, analyzing relationships, analyzing everything, wanting to figure it out. Just all involved in why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? How come this happened? They, they are asking questions. Now, the fifth type is called the investigator. And the investigator is very different. While they may have the same questions, they are the people that are very reserved. <clears throat> Sit back and observe. You will always know who the five is in a room because that will be the person who is sitting more toward the back of their chair and tilting their head sideways and listening carefully to what everybody says and not offering a lot. Then the skeptic. The skeptic is also the warrior extraordinaire. They will worry about everything. And when they're in a relationship with somebody that Parkinson's, by God, they have a lot of stuff to worry about. But their way of worrying is to always say, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? Something's wrong here. What's wrong? Uh, always concerned about that and how to try to figure it out. But above all, they worry and worry and worry. They are actually fairly unhappy people. Type 7 is the antithesis. Type 7 is the hail fellow well met. I am everybody's pal. I'm everybody's buddy. I've got a great sense of humor, and I love be talking to you, and let's talk about it. How are the Dodgers? How are they playing? How's it? How's it doing? They are outgoing, and people love to be around them because they are so energetic. Type 8 is the type I have most trouble with. They're called the challenger. And these are the people that want to be the boss. And they want things done their way. And if you don't do things their way, they're going to get ticked off. They are quick to anger, and their anger is pretty intense. It can be pretty hard. Now, when a challenger, when an ace is really healthy, they are the best leaders in the world because they have the intention and the desire to do it. And type nine is the peacemaker. These are the people who say, can't we all just get along? Do we have to fight so much? Can't we be more kind? Can we be more easygoing? And they never show off. They basically try to do whatever they can to be a good helper, a good worker. 
Now, Robert, when I learned these, I began to see around me how different people were. And let me just run this through. I'm going to go through the nine personality types, and I'm going to say my impression of how they do living with Parkinson's. The perfectionist. They're going to want to know every drug that's coming down the pipe, every test, every piece of research, uh, everybody who's doing something, they want to stay in, in touch with the facts. And in their own case, they are going to make charts. What stage am I at? What symptoms do I have? How much progress? And that is their, their whole focus is analytical. Whereas the two, the giver, me, saying, how can I make this better for myself and others? What can, what can I do? Um, the very thing I'm doing right now, Robert, is I'm a two, and I'm reaching out to people in Radio Land and saying, I want to help you. I, I, I got some things to think will help I, I can use some guidance on it. But the, the two will be less focused on the technicalities of the illness and more on what they can do um, for themselves, but also for others. The achievers, the three, um, they are the ones that are going to be looking at the quickest and most recent cure that's offered in the various support groups and say, I wonder if that one works. I look at the thing. I'm going to suggest this. I'm going to suggest things to people. I'm going to want to talk to people. I discovered something new about Parkinson's. Let me tell you about what it is. The individualist who tends to be the depression will sink back into the Parkinson's further. Not to observe, but to wonder about. What does it mean in my life to have Parkinson's? Why is this happening to me? What am I supposed to do about it? But they they mull and it's introspective. The sixth, the skeptic, is going to say, well, if, if there's that roundup and that caused my Parkinson's, by God, I'm going to find those people and I'm going to sue their asses off. Uh, they, 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 they want to know, they want answers. And if they don't get answers, they're going to start if making people to blame. You know, I bet you I wouldn't have had Parkinson's. The enthusiast is the person who says, yeah, I got Parkinson's, but look at me. By God, I had a little bit of that seven in me because they're, they're, they're proud and they put their arm around the shoulder of somebody else. It's not the tender thoughtfulness of a two, but it's, it's, it's the, the person that's on your football team they might be on the bench, but they're standing up and patting you on the back every time you go in and out of the game. The challenger, men or these people get to anger a lot. And so if they've got Parkinson's, they're going to be pretty angry from time to time. Angry even at God. And angry at their care partner. And anger is a very, very big problem for these people and for the people who care about them. Nine, the peacemaker. 
We need a lot more of it because these are the people that go with the flow. Yeah, I got Parkinson's. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it's going to go down. But I'm going to make the most of today. And how are you? And I, you know, I'm, I just want to get along. That's it. I just want to get along. So, Robert, I hope that gives you a, a feel for the types in the Enneagram and how individuals with Parkinson's would respond to having Parkinson's depending on their type. A spectacular review of all of these nine types. My guest today is Dr. Christian Hagesif. So, Dr. Hagesif, what is your unique approach to the Enneagram? Okay, well, here's the deal. When we say that we have nine personality types, we have two people, the identified patient and the caregiver. Well, here is where I think I'm coming up with a contribution, is that how well does the type of the caregiver interact with the type of the identified patient? Okay. Um, I'm a two. I'm a two. Okay. I've got Parkinson's. I'm a two. And so I, I want to be friends with people. I want to help things out. I want to understand. I don't want to get really upset. But my care partner is an eight. And my care partner is going to say, Chris, you should be doing more to take care of yourself. By God, why don't you do something? You need to read these guys. They're exercising more. You take up yoga. You've you got to do more. And so what happens is the care partner and the identified patient conflict because of the differences in their personality types. In fact, this has all happened in marriages everywhere, is that the compatibility of people in marriage is the compatibility of their personality types. Now, you want and this is, we want to help people um, recognize the personality types. And so what my approach is, I instruct care partner, care partners <clears throat> to go to the Enneagram Institute online, and for $12, they can take a test each, which will identify their Enneagram type. This is a wonderful uh, opportunity for people because the money isn't expensive at all. And what it provides you with, they give you a report that's 15 to 20 pages describing the types that you might be. They usually give you, you because you're never perfectly one type, they give you two or three that are most likely you. And so... And, and they give you, what do you look like? How do you improve? And so on. So I ask the persons and take the testing. Now, and again, the, the Enneagram Institute, there are several like this on the Internet. This is the one I know. It's highly professional. They don't try to hook you into buying anything or doing anything. They just give you information. Now, when you get the report, they give you many good pieces of 
references, resources to go to to understand this stuff because you've got to learn it. But what, again, what I like about this is you don't have to go to the library. You don't have to go out and buy a couple of books. You can get it online for $12 a piece. And if you study it, you can then begin to see the differences. I am a two and my wife is a six. So what happens? My wife is the warrior. And so if I tired of her worrying, I guess it's, you know, I, I get tired of her always wondering about what's going to go wrong next. And that becomes a source of conflict. And she could be uh, upset with me because I shouldn't have eaten that rust, rust that cracker that I got that crumb on my vocal cord. I should know better. I should be paying attention more to instructions. So you see, the conflict is actually a result of our differing personality types. And if we both recognize that, then, oh my gosh, I can say, sweetie, um, I can see why you're upset. You watched me choke and you were afraid I was going to die. And the lesson for me is I got to remember to chew my crackers better or better yet not eat them. When otherwise, in the absence of that knowledge, that quarrel could escalate and go on and go on and go on. So what the Enneagram provides us is a way of looking at each other differently. I mean, we've been married for over 25 years. We, she knows me, I know her. But now, when I look at the Enneagram, I say, aha. Well, yeah, she is a warrior. She wears all the time. Yeah, and she's always looking for what's wrong. Well, that's her personality. Let's, um, let's talk about that. In fact, then I have the couple take and put their Enneagrams down on the table and look at them and highlight them with a yellow marker and say, see, that's you, that's me. Now, you see what that does? It takes the blame out of it. Now the couple is looking at persons on paper and they can talk about each other's differences without getting into the ruts that have been there before. Now, obviously people can't afford to see me all the time to do this. It's a job, it's work I love, but I've tried to give enough direction so that they can do a lot of this on their own. And my website, which is thekindnessdialogue.com, hyphens in there, thekindnessdialogue.com. I give instructions about how they should proceed. I believe, no, I know this helps. Now, when should a professional person come in? Well, when the pain is too much, when they can't get something figured out. And what professional would they want? I would say a, um, you, you want a therapist who is familiar with the neogram. And again, you can go online and inquire at different places that provide neogram testing. There's another one called Truity. 
you should get names that way. But then the other way is me, Chris Hagasa. I've been doing more of this work lately, and it is so gratifying. I see people everywhere. And that's, that's why I'm talking to you today. Robert, I want to help couples. Married, unmarried, gay, straight, that makes no difference. But I want them to find a new way of talking that is easier on the heart and leads to less burnout. Chris's website, once again, is the following, and I will say this very slowly. Of course, it's www.t-h-e-k-i-n-d-n-e-s-s-d-i-a-l-o-g-u-e-dot C-O, as I understand it then, people can not only obtain some valuable information from your website, thekindnessdialogue.com, but they can also uh, get you involved in helping them sort out their issues with their partners. So how do they go about doing that, Chris? Send me an email. My email address is on my website, chag41 at outlook.com. It's on my website. And I don't mind. I love talking to people. Now, if somebody calls me, I will spend 15 minutes hearing, talking, mulling, or advising. If they need or want more, I do charge for my services. Not as much as the going rate for psychologists, but I need to, and I'm worth it. So um, I can help steer them in directions with simple questions. But then, if they need more, we probably have to get together. How many sessions? It varies. I'd say the average is about four. Although I can do it in as few as two. It depends on the couple. And what phone number can they call to reach you? 970-222-1867. I leave that on my website as well. I, when I, all the years I was in practice, I always gave my patients my home telephone number. And I found that the more easily I make it to get in touch with me, the more respectful people are of not abusing the privilege. You also mentioned your email address. Could you once again spell that out very close, very slowly for listeners? C-H-A-G-4-1 at Outlook, O-U-T-L-O-O-K dot com.
Chris Hagasis, thank you so much for taking the time to tell everybody about this quite amazing, useful, and helpful way that people can understand some of the conflicts that may be emerging that to them are unexplainable, and also for offering your ability to provide some personal consultations and assistance. So thank you so much for developing this particular approach for persons currently diagnosed with Parkinson's and their caregivers. And thank you for taking the time to be a guest on the show today to tell everybody about this new and exciting approach. You're welcome. It is my delight and my honor to participate with you in making things better for the people with Parkinson's and their families. And that's what's happening here, as you guessed it, on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all of the children are profoundly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact that you have taken the time today to listen to this amazing and informative interview with Dr. Christian Hegesis, that you indeed are journeying down the road to recovery, taking your own time, making your own good choices, and using your intuition about what is in the best interest of you and your caregiver to have a successful journey down the road to recovery. May you have a spectacular week. Thank you so much for taking the time again for listening to our interview today and for being a member of the Global Parkinson's Recovery audience. Good day.